I want to tell you about Joe's albums in their two locations. The original shop at 317 Main Street in downtown Worcester, Massachusetts, and their second location at 5 Market Street in the college hipster town of Northampton on Western Massachusetts. These are two amazing stores to go buy vinyl, both new and used, and a lot of other cool stuff too. It's hard to walk in either locale without walking out empty-handed due to their amazing collection of records and other cool goodies like t-shirts, mugs, posters, etc. And if you can't find what you're looking for in the retail shops, check out joesalbums.com. They got everything there, man. Everything. Well, maybe not everything, but almost everything. Joe's albums. We love them and you will too. Check out Joe's stores and tell them Twisted Rico sent you. Baby Loves Tacos proudly supports the Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico podcast. Since 2016, we've been serving soulful whole Mexican style food out of a tiny storefront. 4508 Liberty Avenue in the Bloomfield section of Pittsburgh. Um, we believe in supporting the arts, community-based initiatives, and podcasts like Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico because uh, they add a richness and vibrancy to our lives, uh, help to connect people, build community, and uh, demonstrate that following your, your dreams and your passions and holding on to relationships and spreading the love and support that we hear so much about on the podcast uh, is, is really the only way to combat um, the ever-changing world where big businesses and corporations are uh, squeezing out the small guy. So if you haven't already subscribed, if you don't support via Patreon, um, or any of the other platforms, I would strongly encourage you to do so. It's a real privilege to listen to Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico, and it's a privilege to to hear the stories about um, you know Steve's experiences with many bands, uh, promoting, managing, and the really awesome stories from his guests. Something I look forward to every week, sometimes twice a week. And, um, you know, my life would be very different if I didn't have Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico to look forward to. All right, take care.
Welcome to Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico. I'm your host, Steve Ricardo. We have a very special interview for you this week with the extremely talented Marielle Loveland. That's right, the singer-songwriter who goes by the moniker of Best X and was formerly the leader of the Northern Jersey pop punkers Candy Hearts for nearly a decade. In fact, the track you just heard to open the show was called Died For You. It's from the upcoming new album by Best X entitled With A Smile. Marielle and I have a great conversation, so please stick around. I'm going to play that for you in a couple minutes. You know, as I spend time listening to more and more of, you know, different types of music, uh, not far-fetched in the genre aspect, but, you know, less heavy guitar and bass and drums. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I love heavy guitar and bass and drums. <laughs> okay, I've opened up a little bit more to a more popular type of music. I mean, Marielle Loveland described, you know, they, she's described as having fuzzed out synths and dreamy acoustics, you know? So that's what I'm getting at here, you know? And I, and I listened to her last record or EP, Good at Feeling Bad, 2020 came out. And the new record, I went back and listened to some of the old stuff too. And I really find that her songwriting is brilliant. And that's what attracted me to her. And um, as she gets ready to put out this first, her first full length album is Best X. This is a really, really good record, especially, like I said, the clever songwriting and the lyrics. And I've I've become interested in it and it's given me a more open mind. You know, I've, I've listened to bands like Boy Genius and, you know, all, all three of the members of uh, Boy Genius uh, 
Phoebe Bridgers and Julian Baker and Lucy, Lucy Dacus. I like all their music, you know, and uh, it's not heavy rock and neither is best X, but the songwriting, the playing, it's all right there. And uh, when the opportunity came up to talk to Mariel, I definitely went for it. And I'm glad we spoke because I learned a lot talking to her. She's really cool. Um, she was getting ready to get married when I did a Zoom interview with her. She's in England. And we had a pretty informative conversation. I'm going to play it for you right now. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So... You're from like northern New Jersey. Can you talk about what it was yeah. like growing up there and what, you know, when you started listening to music? I feel like growing up in northern New Jersey was like so stereotypical, like American suburban upbringing. Like it was a small town, but not like small rural. Like it's still a suburb of New York City. Mm -hmm. It was like the classic suburb that like the experience you would see in like the movie Mean Girls um was exactly like high school was like and I think I first started getting into music when I was like well I've always loved it since I was a little kid you know listening to Rafi before I even have like memory of that but um picking out my own music I think when I was in middle school um was when I was really getting into it and um it was interesting because the town I grew up in wasn't really focused on the arts. It was definitely one of those towns where like Friday night football was like mm. the big thing to do. <laughs> did, did you go into the city a lot? I did. I actually um, studied art in the city on the weekends. Um, so I would go there every weekend when I was in earlier high school um, and go to the Union Square Farmer's Market. And I studied um, at Parsons. <laughs> Nice. Now, as far as music goes, I mean, uh, what band were there bands or artists that you listened to that all of a sudden got your attention and said, I want to start playing or I want to, you know, be more into music? So it never really when I was younger and I first started falling in love with music, it never really occurred to me that like I could write songs. You know what I mean? Like I would listen to all of these men and like these pop punk bands. Like I loved Taking Back Sunday. I loved Newfound Glory. I loved Blink-182. And I would hear them sing about girls and stuff. And I would think like, oh, I I wish someone would write a song like that about me one day. <laughs> and it never occurred to me that like I could be the person to write that song until I found uh, Bright Eyes. Bright Eyes was really the one because it was this man who wrote these beautiful, beautiful words with, you know, an average voice and an average guitar ability. And I was like, this is so beautiful and so amazing, but attainable. Um, at least the proficiency in those things. Uh, maybe not the proficiency in songwriting, because I still think he's like one of the best, but. Um, On a robust. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did you start playing by then? Um, I picked up guitar when I was 15. I got guitar a guitar for it actually wasn't my idea to get guitar um at the time I was a poet I was always writing poetry in my notebooks like spending all of math class failing failing math and <laughs> writing poetry instead sounds um, familiar and I actually yeah I actually won um like 
you know, a poetry, like an all state poetry award or whatever. Um, but it was my sister who she was got really into like Lincoln Park and Good Charlotte and she wanted to get a bass. And so my dad was like, oh, if she gets a bass, I'll get, you know, her twin sister a guitar. And if she doesn't like it, I'll just play it because my dad plays. Um, but I did. I just my sister never really never really did play. And I just before I even knew what to do, just pressed on the strings to find out what sounded good to start writing songs it was almost like if you've seen that new tegan and sarah show high school i think it's called oh yeah yeah i um, loved it loved the it. way the way that they started where she was just like oh i don't know this sounds kind of cool but i don't know what it is that's exactly exactly how i started and your and your sister was a twin yes i have a twin sister wow. who's here right now with her children yelling in the background the, the american version <laughs> of tegan and sarah i like it. yeah <laughs> It really um, is a lot of familiarities with that. <laughs> no, I'm not. I know you started Candy Hearts when you were a teenager, yeah. um, but I think I read that you went to college and you majored in poetry. I did. Yeah. So I was doing Candy Hearts when I was in school. Um, I started it my first year uh, when I was 18. And um, I Which did school? SUNY Purchase. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I minored in songwriting. Oh, really? You could you could add a, you had a songwriting minor. That's cool. Well, I don't two, know. Two two uh, degrees. People said you're never going to use this uh, <laughs> outside in your normal life, and yet I did. So both of them. Who would have thought? I don't know. Not me. <laughs> you're definitely a poet the way you write. I actually wrote have written poetry my whole life so I love hearing that I, I it was when I started reading I li I liked all the E. e. Cummings and Emily Dickinson but when I heard Bukowski I was forever changed Charles B Charles Bukowski <laughs> yeah I was that person in high school reading I don't know like I feel like the artsy kids must have had this phase right all I was listening to was like bright eyes and I was like reading Bukowski and obviously 15 year old me who had never had a drink in her life was the goody two shoes never had a boyfriend never been kissed reading these things like oh yeah I relate to that in some other life where that's never going to be me <laughs> so you actually did you were into Bukowski too yeah wow. what was the one that uh was it hot water music that one yeah yeah he that's has the, a... that's the one I I started with yeah yeah a ton, ton of books and his poetry is outrageous so how old were you exactly when you started Candy Hearts 18 18 and along I remember the band from like many different eras I think when you guys were on Bridge Nine uh, is when I became more familiar with you when you that's around the time you did the Warp Tour right um we signed to Bridge Nine a bit before a couple of years before that it was actually very early into our career I was really lucky um that everything just when I decided to do it just happened so fast um like I wrote an album like a collection of demos when I was in college and I just put it on the internet and then um Chad Gilbert from Newfound Glory heard it wanted to produce it and I like, he just randomly stumbled upon it online. I don't know how I found it. And, um, you know, we went on our first tour that we did, like he, he had messaged me and was like, Oh, you know, do, I want to produce your album. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. Wow. Like, uh, like, Oh, I was like, yeah. Okay. That's a really nice thing to say. Thank you. Uh, he's like, send me demos. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Cause people <laughs> say that to be nice, you know, like 
I didn't want to like bother him with my demos. I thought he was just being nice. Like, oh, you have nice songs, send me your demos, whatever. Um, and then we booked like one of our first DIY tours. Um, someone in my band just booked it with like people we knew in different states or whatever. And around that time we'd gotten like a some DIY manager who was like, you know, a girl who lived in town uh, that we just knew through playing shows. And she put us in touch with Man Overboard got us a tour with them. And then Chad reached out to me again and was like, Hey, you're on tour with my friends and you don't even tell me I'm trying to produce your album. That's like really hurtful. I'm like actually trying to help you. How, why wouldn't you take the help? And I was like, Oh, you're for serious. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, so he did that and he actually connected us with bridge nine. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at your discography. You know, I was going through it the other day. It's really great. I know you had some real high points too. Kerrang! Magazine liked you guys. All the Ways You Let Me Down was the album that I became really familiar with. So I guess I was a little late to the game. Um, <laughs> you, I read somewhere that I'm not going to talk about Candy Hearts a lot, but I just want to talk a little. I read somewhere that you had a really bad tour experience and that kind of affected you and made you think twice about what you were doing can you do you want to talk about that or yeah it's not just even so that experience whatever is all over the news and that's like really unfortunate because nobody believed what I said and it was like right on the cusp of the me too movement like before it happened and you know alternative press published in its entirety a completely made-up statement from the person who had done these bad things to me who that wasn't even the only thing that they did. Like they were just ridiculously verbally abusive for like the entirety of me knowing them. And, you know, I was young. I didn't really get that. I thought like, you know, people yell at each other, whatever, who cares, but it just escalated. Um, and to the point where it was like threatening to turn everyone against me, threatening to make up lies to get me kicked off the tour, which is why I made a big deal about it because I was like, okay, you can say whatever you want to me, whatever. But if you're trying to take away my career that I worked so hard for, that's when I have to sort of make a little bit bigger of a deal about it. But I mean, anyway, with that situation, uh, no one believed me, uh, especially after Alternative Press published that completely false statement that they didn't fact check with any of the people mentioned in it, um, really star journalism at that point they have since changed uh their tune and um got their stuff together i think people didn't really know how to handle stuff back then uh the way that they do now um but the thing with that is that made me rethink it was that was like the final straw i feel like of so many different experiences where it was just so clear that like women were not valued in that warp tour space um, mm. of pop punk it was like every tour I went on I was surprised if there wasn't a problem like there was always one person in one band who would grope me or make sexist comments or would claim me as his own to hook up with and everyone else would act weird about me and I didn't wouldn't know that they were all like talking about which person would get to hook up with me. like and I was trying so hard to be friends with all of these people and it just rarely happened because they viewed me as something there to use rather than appear and I just felt it from every angle and if it wasn't someone on the tour it was someone at a venue it was like you know 
a drunk fan trying to grab me and make out with me when I'm trying to sell them merchandise or a person who owns a club trying to make out with me backstage or someone in a band like grabbing my boob and thinking it's funny or whatever. Like it was just every single tour, there was something. Wow. Um, and I was like, when that happened and it, it got so much press um, and it was like one of the, like it was bad and it really upset me. And it really like that relationship in itself really messed with my psyche and I didn't really know what was normal in a relationship after that because it was so like verbally abusive I just didn't expect it to escalate to that but you know if you look at the signs now I've since learned um how those things escalate where once the verbal abuse no longer works it just keeps escalating um after that I was like this is like you know more so a personal problem than a tour problem but it's involved with that it's someone I met in that it's someone who I felt sort of lied about who they were and used their knowledge to connect with me and kind of make friends with everyone and kind of then control um like my career my path and who I thought I were my friends and and who I thought didn't like me um and at that point, I just didn't know because when I looked back, I was like, there are all these other experiences that would tell me that people just viewed me as an object, as someone who was there, not as like a songwriter. And I had people like I I kicked. I well, I didn't kick them out. It was a collective decision. Um, and I was actually the last the last person I gave the last chance of this person in our former band. Um where he's like, oh, everyone knows your guitar is just a prop and you just hold it to look cute and that's Oof. your gimmick. And I'm like, why are you in this band if you think that? Um, I was the only one on your side and now I think your time here might be done, um, unfortunately. But it was just constant stuff like that all the time. And it still kind of is, uh, usually with sound guys. Like they, oh my bandmate now laughs so hard because like a sound guy will ask us a question. I will answer it clearly into the microphone during sound check. And they'll just pretend that they didn't hear me and wait for my bandmate to say the exact same thing that I said. <laughs> I want to believe that that's changing now, you know, because women have taken over. Women have taken over the music business. And I want to talk yeah. to you about that in a few minutes. But you said that you went on your own because you wanted to create music that aligned more with how you felt as an adult. Can you elaborate yeah. on that statement a little? Well, I feel a lot different than when I was 18. Like when I was 18 and I started this band, I kind of, I, when I started Candy Hearts, I kind of wanted it to be like a twee rock band that was really cutesy and like fun and just about little crushes and stuff like that. And, you know, the more I grew up, the more the world changed, the more I was not necessarily the world changed, but the more I was in tune with the things that start to weigh on us when we're older. We're not living in a bubble of like we're hanging out with our friends every weekend we're crushing on guys we're like living in a world where so many bad things are happening where we've changed as people and I felt more serious and I felt different and I felt like I wanted to make music that was more in line with that and not just like you know fun pop punk songs about you know crushes so I still write some of those but <laughs> you know 
Your, your great quote was, it was a breakup makeover. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. so you kind of like, then you formed Best X. And I have to ask you, how come not just Muriel? Why, why Best X? Was there a reason why? Yeah, I think at the time, if I probably had to do it again, I think I would probably use my own name. But at the time, I was thinking, you know, and I perhaps read the comment section too much. But every time someone moved on from Candy Hearts, and it was almost never, it was only one time because someone said what I told you. They said about me, but all the other times it was like, I don't want to tour anymore. I want to have a wife and a baby or I want a regular job. It was never like dramatic or crazy. And I would read all the comments and it would be like, this girl is not the brains behind her band. It's she's, you know, the band's going to sound terrible without these people who wrote all the songs. And when I'm sitting there knowing that I, you know, I wrote 90% of our top lines like you know I wrote our songs and um I felt like nobody would listen to me if I made it look like I was by myself just a girl making music by herself I just felt like no one would listen to me so I kind of framed it um as its own entity that's cool I like it um it when you went salt, you know, so it's still a solo project, ice cream, yeah. antisocial, then you had the bad yeah. love song, good at feeling bad was when I when I when I really started. <laughs> There's so many good songs on that record. Uh, I love that song lemons, but gap tooth on my mind, I saw you also play a different version of that. in a, in an interview, you you also said that the song good at feeling was the song that encompassed that entire feeling. Can you, you're in, did you mean your entire feeling about where you were at at that time? Yeah. I think that song is just so much of like who I was at the moment. Probably she's still in here as well, but I just felt like for so many years, like not that I'm not blessed. I think with my career, I had been so blessed and I achieved like, everything I wanted when I was a child, like everything I dreamed of happened. But I do think that in regards to like, um, you know, love and heartbreak, like the one thing I really, really wanted besides the career was a steady partner. And I was not able to find anything close to that. And on top of that, you know, I have problems with anxiety. I was diagnosed with OCD fairly recently um, which definitely was at play less so than when I finally was diagnosed with it um, then. And I just felt like I was very used to just feeling lonely, anxious, sad, and getting on with my life and just, you know, doing the best I could. And that song really encompasses that. Yeah, you you also I you have so many good quotes that I just I I could this is what it's going to be all about. Your That's quote, so nice. <laughs> I I do art too, and I paint and I write poetry, and I'm going to steal those paintings behind you. Yeah, yeah they are. are I wasn't awesome. trying to get you to notice that, but there is I a like this. You did say that you were seated in misery, and when I heard that, I was like, I got to think of something to use that in seated in misery. That is so dark did you really feel that way 
Did I say that? Where? Which you song? You did. You said it in an interview. You said you were seated in misery at one. I, I think it. It was around <laughs> around 2020. So I thought maybe it was because of the pandemic. Uh, no, I think. <laughs> uh, I mean, my emotions are. You know, we all have tough times. I think. Uh, I in 2020. I had gone through a breakup of somebody with somebody in 2018 that like I really thought I would marry and he turned out to be a totally different person than I thought that he was and um you know it happens and that absolutely crushed me I was as I said on TikTok like blindsided by our breakup we dated for almost four years and um he broke up with me a few days before Christmas and then just ghosted me um I never heard from him ever again. And um, that was really hard to deal with. So I was trying, I moved to New York City alone with roommates I found on Facebook. Um, and I didn't have a lot of friends there because a lot of friends that I did have there had moved on um, to different cities. And I wasn't able to tour as much. It was definitely a lull in my career. I was trying really hard to put out this album and then the pandemic hit. And any hope that I had for trying to tour, trying to get things to happen, it just didn't happen. And, you know, there were more important things happening too, because it came out very close to the Black Lives Matter protests where I was like, I can't talk about an album of love songs when there's all these horrible things happening in the world that deserve attention right now. So I didn't even want to promote it. And every person I tried to date after like two months, it would just completely just disintegrate. Um, and I felt like nothing was working for me at all. And I was just existing, trying to push forward and everything was just stopping me. So you were kind of seated in misery. I, yeah. know, I think a lot of us know what that's like to go through a breakup. It just takes, a, if you really fall, fell in love with someone, it's hard to move on. Uh, so I get time. that. Get yeah. that. Okay. So now that we've gone through all that, that brings us to the current album. <laughs> tell, tell your friends. Uh, how did you sign with Iodine? You know, it was interesting because I do feel like, you know, I I was trying so hard during the pandemic and I've always tried so hard in my career. And since I started funding things on my own, I've been releasing music slower because I can only afford to make so much music. I can only afford so much studio time. And I put out Good at Feeling Bad to what essentially felt like a void of nothingness because of the pandemic and all the stuff going on in the world. And as soon as things started getting a little bit better in the pandemic, which like vaccines came about or whatever, um, I was starting to think, okay, now that I'm vaccinated, maybe I can get back in the studio and start making something else. And literally the week that I thought that, uh, Iodine reached out to me and were like, hey, um, I really like your music. Would you be interested in making an album? And I was like, well, I was thinking of a single, but if you're saying an album, yes, sure. That's it. Like, so I do feel like the universe has always thrown me a bone when I'm trying so hard and hitting a wall, like something will just come out of nowhere and be exactly what I was hoping for. So I'm very, very lucky. 
Yeah, they're a good label. Uh, your songwriting continues to be fantastic. It, it always has been. I would love for you to talk about some of these songs um, and what they're what they're about, and because they're really interesting. Yeah. Uh, can we start with quote? I promise to ruin your life. I really like that one because especially <laughs> the line "I'll be the crazy ex you tell your friends about." That's relatable to a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think it is relatable to a lot of people. And, you know, the older I got, I feel like the more I realized, you know, as you do when you date and age that um, most of the time when people say they have a crazy ex, uh, I, probably about 90% of the time, they're the ones who'd made them crazy. <laughs> they're the ones who drove them to act irrationally. Um, and I did want to put some of that in there because it's just such a classic way that a relationship plays out where you like break up, it doesn't work out, you hate each other, you're angry at each other, someone's crazy, someone's mean, like, you know, it always plays out that way. And I wanted to write the song about meeting someone and thinking about how is this going to end? But then there's always that little voice of like, I know that everything in my life has told me that it's going to end badly. And that they're going to think that I'm crazy and that they're going to make up these rumors and I'm going to be, I'm going to just add them to the list of things that disappoint me in my life. But maybe it will work out. I, I personally like the way Taylor Swift and Olivia Rodrigo and uh, women like that, for example, they write about their breakups. Uh, not that I'm saying you're copying their style or anything, because you, you've been making music before them, actually, probably both of them. But do you feel that approach is relatable? Because I personally do when you share your personal experiences like that. I do. Um, Olivia Rodrigo and Taylor Swift are huge inspirations to me. Um, Olivia recently, because she's quite a young songwriter, but I think she's so ahead of her time. And when I think back of like what I wanted my band to sound like when I was her age, it was the music that she's making. Um, so I find that just so amazing and so inspiring. And Taylor Swift and I probably got started at the same time because we're about the same age. Yeah. Um, and I just think, you know, with Taylor Swift, she's one of the few people mm. who like, I've always connected with songs that tell true stories. Um or at least some relatable, like some story about life. And I think that's what makes those songwriters so successful in a sea of pop music that doesn't do that. They tell stories that everyone, there's a piece in it that everyone can relate to. And I think that's what makes songs really good. I wasn't sure how you would react if I brought them up because no, some people- I love people, them. Yeah, I They're do like too. They're like my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. And I I love that you're, I, 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 the whole story, the open, the open uh, feeling about how what you've gone through and sharing your experiences, people relate to that. If you watch Taylor Swift's fans and the audience, they know every word to every song, and it's like, yeah. why would any anyone not want that? You know, I think for me, I was just always raised like there's no point in hiding yourself, your life, what you've been through, because you know the people who don't like that, the people who don't like who you are, what you've been through, who don't accept it, they're not your people. Um, but the only way to find your people is to be honest about where you're at, who you are, and those kinds of things. And I'm sure a lot of those men that have had songs written about them are like, oh, she wrote a song about me, you know, like. I remember, <laughs> I remember that um, 
when I wrote in Candy Hearts, I wrote, um, what was it called? Uh, it was the single. It was like, take me back to when I met you. The whole tour after I that really sat texted me like, that's so funny. And the guy texted me because he was on that tour. I met him on a tour. And he was like, you know, this song's really good. And I feel like a total ass. And I'm like, well, you were then. I mean, you're not now, but you were at the time. <laughs> Well, I think a lot of people would like to have songs written about them. Um, Die for You is another one. I, I don't I didn't have the lyrics for that. And I tried to follow along with it. But I don't know what's going on there. Maybe you can explain that one a little bit. So Die for You is a song about the stuff that I have experienced in the music industry, the unfair treatment and the pressures that I feel like have happened to me as a woman where I've definitely been in situations where people treat women as replaceable I've watched you know so many men in bands be given the benefit of the doubt over and over again it was never like oh if you can't make this one event your career is over and we won't work with you anymore or if you can't do this one thing because you're mentally not up to it and you're struggling it's fine you're such a brave person for being honest about that but when I'm like I'm mentally not up for this I'm having really terrible bout of anxiety and I this one thing I just can't do this one thing I was always met with grow up we'll replace you with someone else we don't care are you just an amateur like if you're an amateur then why are you even here like that's the kind of experience that I was met with when I was open about mental health problems versus watching the bands that I've toured with uh do the same thing and I just wanted to write a song that showed the experience of women in the industry where we we show up and we're so excited and the men in charge have all of this power to allow us success, to open the door and give us all of these things. But you don't see so much what happens when they close the door and the way that they treat you. Um, and is it worth it to have these things you have to put up with like I talked about before the being groped the being sexually harassed the being verbally abused are those things worth the success that we wanted when we were children and I'm not sure that it is I don't know I change my mind every day on that <laughs> I think your generation is smacking the older man. I'm I'm an older man myself. I think we're getting smacked in the face for for the treatment that went on for so long. And I really do think people are finally starting to figure that out. You know, I think so I do. I think so. It's getting a lot better. Okay, I got one more one more for you. The first single, "Tell Your Friends," uh, title track of your album, great song. I love it. By the way, I love in the video how you have a different shirt on in every shot. Oh my god, that must have been plus the food too. What was going on when you made that video? That must have been a long experience. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to correct you. It's not the title track, but it was the first single. Oh, I'm sorry. I my That's my mistake. Right. Yeah, no biggie. Yeah, first single, um, not the title track. First yeah. single. Um, so the first single, the I think I call the album Tell Your Friends before. I apologize uh, for that. I I have messed that up as well. And I had to go back and edit my post because I was like so in the zone of like promoting that single that when we announced the album, I was like, Tell your friends, because it's a three-word album too. And I'm like, wait, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's yeah. called with a smile. Um, but anyway, 
Uh, yeah, that music video, I can safely say I never want to make something like that again. <laughs> um, it was an absolute nightmare to make. And I don't, I made a stop motion video before and I felt the same way. Uh, I made one for girlfriend off of ice cream antisocial and I definitely felt the same way about it. But this time I was like, I don't know why I always do this. I'm like, it's going to be different this time. Like I'll do, I'll add more video of like, um, did me. you direct that yourself? Uh, I directed it, edited it and shot it myself. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I did it all myself. I wanted to really do things. Also, I don't have a budget, um, <laughs> but I wanted to do things like have my hand on things. Like, you know, if it, I was like, you know, it's going to be a lyric video. I'm in my house for two weeks. Let me figure out what I can do in two weeks that that'll be something. And it was that. And changing my shirt that many times and taking different shots was an absolute nightmare, but not as a nightmare as actually editing it all, which I think took more than 40 hours of editing. And I was running back and forth because I live part-time in England, which um, is where I am now. And which is why it's 9am. I'm like, please do the 9am one. Um, oh, I was wondering why I was gonna, most people don't want to do interviews. That early. So you're in the UK right now. Yeah, it's two o'clock here. So um, I was like, I had all this footage and I was like editing it on the plane and like editing it here. And it was just like a nightmare, but it finally came together. And that's all that count like matters. <laughs> and, and the food part too is really interesting as well. Yeah. My apartment was such a mess. I was like stamping out little pieces of pepperoni. Right. And I, nothing is more vile to me than pepperoni. So I was sitting there like, like <laughs> just trying to stamp out the worst. <laughs> I kind of hijacked my own question there because I asked you to tell me what the song was about and I ended up talking about the video. Oh, yeah, that's all right. So the song is about, um, it was about that relationship where, you know, I I really thought we would end up together. And in retrospect, I think I kind of always knew it wasn't a good relationship. Not that it was bad. Um, I just felt like I was with someone who tolerated my existence um, who just tolerated me being around, who didn't really like me. And I just thought that maybe that's how relationships are, that people just tolerate each other. Because um, I, I adored him. You know, I didn't just tolerate him. I adored him. But um, I thought maybe that, you know, because I grow had a career in an environment where I was always told I was annoying and my emotions were inconvenient and the mental health struggles of the men around me mattered, but mine was annoying and shouldn't be there. So I just thought, Oh, like, that's just how it's supposed to be. And I realized, you know, after being so loyal, um, I just sort of realized that him being so cruel and making me hate him was dodging an absolute bullet Wow. So the changing of the shirt kind of simple, uh, it, it kind of stood for every day that went by pretty much. Right. Yeah. yeah that was cool. I wanted to symbolize just being stuck in your apartment, not able to leave and not able to move forward day after day after day. And then finally being able to just move on. That's fantastic. So what, what's the plan now? You've got the label, you've got the record. It's coming out soon. Um, are you going to go on tour? 
yeah, I have some dates planned for December that are not announced yet. And um, we're going to go from there, trying to play as much as possible. It's been interesting booking things after the pandemic. It's it's different. Things are different. Things don't do not come together as easy as they used to. So are you going to tour in Europe or come to America or? Uh, well, our dates currently scheduled are in the United States, um, but I really, really want to tour here and I'm trying to figure that out as well. Um, but we'll see what happens. Do you like living there? Yeah, I really like it here. Um, I would be here always if my family wasn't in New York. <laughs> yeah, things are a little crazy in the in in this country over here these days. It's That's like why I like it better here. I feel <laughs> like it's easier. I don't have to worry about. I so for example, I got in a car accident the other day. I mean, it was not like a accident. Like you know, I back like we backed into someone. Um, and the first thing out of my mind was, oh, my God, this person is going to sue us for all we're worth and pretend that even though we just tapped their car, they have a neck problem now and we're going to be bankrupt. And I get out of the car and the woman is rightly mad. Um, and then, I don't know, I said something like it was it was my wedding. I, I got married. I was like, I'm sorry. She's like, I don't have time for this. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't have time for this. I'm driving to my wedding. And she's like, you're driving to your wedding just leave just go and I was like nobody that would not happen in the states people would be like I need every last detail I'm going to the hospital and I'm getting checked out for a little bump when like you know nothing happened and it's just people are nicer it's easier it's a better quality of life but at the same time I like New York because it's always open it's very fast-paced it's very exciting um, and I do miss that Wow. Well, hey, like your new record and thanks for talking to us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And good luck. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.
And that was Best X, Muriel Loveland, and the track Tell Your Friends from the new album With a Smile. I didn't know much about Muriel before we spoke. And of course, I did my usual pre-show research, and I went back and listened to all the records and watched the videos and read interviews, watched some video interviews, all of that. But now I feel I went deep and I totally dig it, man. I'm telling you. And that's what this show is all about. Turning you folks onto not only rock and roll stories, but also to artists that you may or may not know. So thank you, Marielle, for coming on the show. That was really interesting conversation, to say the least. This is the part of the show where I ask you to please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Twisted Rico. And Spotify listeners, you can subscribe to this podcast there as well. And if you want to reach out to me, my email is twistedrico at gmail.com. I love getting emails and songs and music and everything that you folks send me. I really questions. Really appreciate it. We're also available on all the social media platforms, including YouTube, where you can watch the Zoom interview that Marielle and I just did. And if you want to watch some cool clips from various shows, check out our TikTok page, at Twisted Rico. All right. Thank you all for listening. Till the next time we say goodbye, this is Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico. I'm your host, Steve Ricardo. Keep the rock and roll alive.